Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, hello. Welcome to Jewel Says. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you shared, rated, or reviewed it. Maybe you can convince some old ladies like me that podcasts make great company when they're driving, cooking, cleaning... It seems as though every woman I recommend podcasts to, not just mine, I recommend all kinds of them. They always say to me, oh, no, I'm just not into it. I listen to the radio. Okay, I listen to the radio too sometimes. But isn't it nice to be able to pick your host topic and time? So please recommend. Maybe you can convert some of the old gals in your life. And don't forget, you can email me at jewelsays at gmail.com if you have anything you would like to share or ask. I love hearing from you. Well, it was Valentine's Day this week. Happy Valentine's or Galentine's or Palentine's. I like the idea of celebrating love in all its forms, not just the romantic. As one of my brothers said to me many years ago, love is the only thing worth living for and the only thing worth dying for. I'm sure he heard that from someone else. It probably wasn't his original thought, but I think it's true. I also think that no one will ever love you as much as a dog will love you. So I hope you're not lonely, and if you are alone, I hope you enjoy your own company. I enjoy mine. Usually I take the time to send valentines to all of my young nieces and nephews and grandchildren. Young children really do enjoy getting old-fashioned mail. If you have any cherished children in your life, try mailing them the odd card, letter, or gift. It may end up under their pillow for a while, and when you're gone, someday, a long time from now, seeing your handwriting, if they keep your letters, will wash them with your presence like a warm embrace, like an email never could. But I fell short this year. We were supposed to be in Peru this past week— I was supposed to be just heading home on the 15th, but alas, our trip was cut short due to the political protests. These protests are not exactly on the top of the news feed this week. People are kind of aware of them, but because the world is just a dumpster fire everywhere, 
the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, protests in Iran, banning education for half the population in Afghanistan, John Tory stepping down as mayor of Toronto. Holy shit, I did not see that coming. He won the recent election by a landslide, I don't know how, and now, all of a sudden, poof, gone with the wind. Apparently, he's stepping down due to an affair he had with an employee who is no longer there. My God, it just infuriates me that even an aging, seemingly respectable man with no obvious charisma can't keep himself from banging someone at work. Why? Is there anyone out there we can trust? Now, I don't necessarily agree with John Tory's policies. He's done some things that were seen by some as heinous. But maybe stepping down due to a scandalous affair shows some level of integrity? There are so many leaders and politicians. For example, our previous mayor, Rob Ford, who wouldn't have dreamed of stepping down, even with tons of evidence of him smoking crack, domestic abuse, a DUI arrest, repeated public intoxication, making racial slurs, conflict of interest allegations, allegations of offering oral to an employee. Nope. Rob doubled down and stayed put. And he's not the only one. I know darn well you can think of several more examples off the top of your head. I do think people who won't step down are demonstrating a la- uh, uh, a heightened level of entitlement and maybe even narcissism. I'm not a professional. I have no idea. But it just seems that way to me. Years ago, when the Clinton sex scandal erupted, I commented to a friend of mine who happens to be a judge that I don't necessarily think a lack of sexual integrity translates to a lack of business integrity. She wholeheartedly disagreed But I think sex is such a primal thing, kind of like food. My father, Ted, for example, was a swashbuckler, his term, a bit of a ladies' man, shall we say. If I had a dollar for every time he said, in my presence, I'd love to take a run at that. Yeah, Ted was a tad lecherous, and clearly this is degrading misogynistic behavior, in my mind anyway. But my point is, even though Ted had limited integrity when it came to women, I am fully confident that he had utmost integrity in business. When he was VP, maybe it's because he valued business over people. I think he actually did. When he was VP of a land development firm, I remember my mom, Dorothy, telling me he was offered all kinds of kickbacks by companies who bid on contracts, home renovations for free, an in-ground pool, which he never took. And Dorothy was very proud that he would never accept anything of the kind, even though it probably wasn't even illegal back then. The rules were pretty loosey-goosey in the early 70s, I would guess. So yeah, I do think a person can lack sexual integrity without it necessarily translating to a lack of overall integrity. Like, I don't like to see people in positions of power abusing that power in the workplace. And I still think it's horrible. But is there anyone in a position of power who can really be trusted, as Dorothy used to say, to keep his pecker in his pocket? Is everyone on the make and just hiding it? Is there a bigger scandal about John Tory about to erupt 
and he was blackmailed to step down over this one? I don't know. No wonder we don't trust political or business leaders. And even if you don't agree with a leader's policies, they must have integrity and transparency to be trusted, which is apparently quite rare. Anyway, Peru. We were supposed to be in Peru. What the hell is going on in Peru? The arrest of President Pedro Castillo, if you speak Spanish, I'm sorry for messing up that name, who came to power with the support of the poor and disenfranchised, appears to have been the trigger. But experts say the crux of the problem is really about years of political and economic instability. Watch out, people who want to make the rich richer and disenfranchise the poor. It comes home to roost eventually. Good old Pedro was a former elementary school teacher known as a son of the soil due to his lack of political connections. I know another teacher who's now a leader. Yeah, he had political connections. But after winning a tight election in 2021, he wasn't able to deliver on promises. Surprise, surprise. And apparently he also struggled with running the government due to his lack of experience. Oh, sound familiar? Almost impeached twice, Pedro announced that he would dissolve Congress and install an emergency government on the day of his third impeachment vote in December. Within hours, his dictatorship screeched to a halt when his political allies dropped him, the impeachment vote succeeded, maybe three times the charm, and his security detail turned him into the police as he was headed to Mexico to seek asylum. So why the protests? The new president, Dina Boliarte, is the sixth president in seven years. You know how expensive elections are. How frustrating is that? In 2020, Peru went through three presidents in one week. So there's definitely some turmoil going on. And of course, this kind of chaos makes it difficult for the government to manage and build on programs. And there's congressional gridlock between the far right and the president. A tale as old as time. Peru apparently had the highest COVID fatality rate in the world, Ugh. which increased exposure to how fragile their basic institutions are. What have I been saying about the Ontario healthcare system for decades? And of course, these problems impacted the 2021 election in Peru, which to many was catastrophic. So people are demanding that they hold another election, and even though it was moved up by two years to 2024, that's not good enough, and people want the Constitution that was, I did not know this, implemented by dictator Fujimori replaced. Yeah, I, I don't think most of us would appreciate a Constitution implemented by a dictator. And apparently, most of the protests have been largely peaceful, but there have been, of course, many reports of violence with people injured and killed, often killed by the police, roads blocked, train tracks damaged, efforts to take control of airports. So it's not safe to go. Of course, Abe and I are disappointed. We don't regularly take trips like this, and we considered it a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But again, seeing all this just reminds me of how grateful I am for the safety and relative freedom we enjoy here in Canada. Are our governments and institutions perfect? Not by a long shot, but we're still pretty lucky in the grand scheme of things. But we did get to go to Ecuador, which was 
fantastic. We left January 29th and we packed light so we wouldn't have to check luggage. The flight was full, of course, so they announced at the gate, we'll make you check your bags if they don't fit into this carry-on bag sizer. Ugh, so Abe figured he better check to be safe, and wouldn't you know it, his bag didn't quite fit in the bag sizer. I swear to God they have made that thing smaller. Abe's suitcase was sold as a carry-on size. He's been using it for ages. He used it for his weekly Porter Airlines trek to and from Montreal for two years. And now all of a sudden, it doesn't fit? And he didn't even have it expanded. So he figured he had no choice but to check the bags. All that effort, all that effort to restrict my lotions, potions, creams, elixirs, insect repellents, sunscreen, had been for naught. But what can you do? We only had an hour and a half to make our connection in Panama City to Quito, and that was the other reason we didn't want to check bags, because we weren't confident the bags would make that connection. It was a bit tight. However, Abe and I are rule followers for the most part. Well, other than Abe doesn't really like the building permit rules. But for the most part, we do not try to game the system, and I would be nervous to do so. So when we boarded the plane and saw people walking on with multiple bags that were clearly bigger than Abe's, we were a little annoyed. Maybe we should have just tried it, but it was too late. Then, of course, we ended up sitting on the plane for some time waiting for the plane de-icing queue. So, of course, our flight was delayed. Of course. I have a history of delayed flights. I could do a whole episode on delayed and canceled flights. Though we met a mathematician on our trip who would argue that sometimes that's perception, so I really, really wish that I had tracked statistics. Before the flight landed, we asked the flight attendant about connecting flights. She assured us that when we landed, they would announce the seats that could leave first for connecting flights, and everyone else should remain seated and let us through. The problem is, most people aren't rule followers, so naturally everyone jumps up to leave as soon as we land. We were near the back of the plane. Lucky us. So I just, I got a bit aggressive. I just squeezed through people. Excuse me, we have a connection to make. Excuse me. We were in the seats that were announced. I got dirty looks and retorts of, we have a connection too. And I'm like, really? All these people have a connection? Ah. I call bullshit. But then then they announced again the seat numbers who should be allowed to the front. But whatever. People just got in the way anyway. They hadn't told us our gate, which would have been nice. We've never been to the Panama City Airport. We had no idea the size of it. Seems to be a bit of a hub. So when we finally got off that plane, we ran to an information board. And there was our flight with the label, Final Call. We ran to that gate. It may surprise you to know that Abe is a much faster runner than I am, and I could not keep up with him. Off he dashed, occasionally looking back over his shoulder to make sure I was there, but that gate was kind of far away. I had on jeans, two tops, a sweater, a down vest, a long hoodie, a jean jacket, and a scarf, and my laptop backpack which also had my lotions, potions, creams, and elixirs in it, thank goodness. The only good thing was I was actually wearing running shoes, which I don't like to do. But boy, running like that made me very, 
warm. My heart was racing. I was getting out of breath. But we had to make that connection. All I could think about was how glad I was that I wasn't running away from a killer in the dark wearing high heels. Every woman's nightmare. But we made it. And we might have even had ten minutes to spare until the plane started down the runway. There's no way our luggage is going to make it, Abe said. Oh, well, we made it and we're safe. That's all that matters. We landed in Quito, Ecuador, on the equator, the middle of the world. We registered our missing luggage at the desk, which was a bit of a problem because we were only going to be in Quito for one night before heading to a lodge in the Amazon forest about six hours away. Maybe we'd have to buy something. We had no swimsuits, no nothing, only the warm Canadian clothes we were wearing. Thankfully, I still had my lotions, potions, creams, elixirs, sunscreen, insect repellent in my laptop bag. But Abe had packed the malaria and altitude medication in his bag before he realized he'd have to check it. We were hopeful that they could get our bags to us by the next morning. I I mean, they should have been able to. It's not as though ours was the last flight from Panama City to Quito. So off we went to look for our ride to the hotel. There was a man holding up a sign with Abe's name on it. Of course, Abe's name was on everything. The correspondence, the notifications, the reservations, which, irrationally, is a little irritating to me because I'm the one who made the arrangements. But I decided to just sit back and let Abe handle everything, even though it was hard. I do like to be the one in charge. I did jump in a few times, I'm not going to lie, but I'm used to managing things. I'm very competent, so it felt strange to be the sidekick. Maybe I should embrace it and just relax and let him lead. But this driver who picked us up proved to be very popular as we hit the highway to the hotel. Everyone around us was passing and honking at him. He looked pretty old, but drove like a beginner. He rarely went faster than 60 in in a 90-kilometer zone. He stuck to the passing lane. He jerked the car with his erratic acceleration and braking. It was bad. En route, the first thing that struck us, though, about Quito was the stench of exhaust. A lot of cars visibly belched black smoke from the tailpipes. It reassured us that our mission standards, as much as people complain about the cost of them, they're working. Many cars there are quite old, too, because, of course, they last a lot longer in a country without harsh winters and salted roads. Abe had to wear a mask just to cut the stink of the vehicular emissions. It was that bad. We also passed a lot of very dilapidated buildings along the way with tin roofs. Another reminder of how lucky we are. You know, even with all the talk of affordable housing shortages, most of us are really very lucky. When we got to the hotel, we let the front desk know that we were expecting our luggage and asked where we could buy a few things to hold us over while we were in the Amazon. The young lady shook her head. Oh, stores don't open until 10 a.m., and we'd be gone by then. Maybe ask the guide. Ugh. The good thing was that we were returning to the same hotel after the Amazon, so we let them know that our luggage may arrive after we're gone. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The next morning, we put on our dirty Canadian warm travel clothes, underwear inside out to give it another day, and checked out as instructed and met Matteo, the tour coordinator. We let him know about the luggage problem. He said there was no way our luggage would be brought to Tena, which was the city closest to the Amazon departure location, and about a six-hour drive from there. Other people from the group joined us in the room. Mateo tried to upsell everyone on some additional excursions, introduced our keto Amazon guide, Alex, and we all got on a bus to go on a walking tour of keto, which started with a glorious, delicious chocolate tasting. We asked Alex when we got to the walking part where we could buy a few things until until we got our luggage. Okay, I know, I'm going on about this luggage. You probably think the luggage debacle was the most exciting part of the trip. It wasn't, but it was the most frustrating. Alex directed us to a store, so instead of joining the tour, we went shopping. Not fun. I'm not a fan of shopping at the best of times. And the last thing we needed was more stuff. But what could we do? I did not want to wear jeans and a sweater in the Amazon jungle for three days, so I ended up buying a swim skirt, rash guard, rain jacket, and some lightweight, long workout leggings. Abe only bought a rash guard, so ended up stuck wearing his jeans and swimming in his underwear. They didn't sell any loose-fitting trousers, not even for men, and there's no way Abe was going to strut around the jungle in leggings, even though he would look great in leggings. Our guide, Alex, I don't know his last name. In fact, Alex isn't even his real name. It's a native name, and I can't remember what it was. He was fantastic. His English was perfect, and it turned out that he also speaks the native Quechua language. He speaks Spanish, of course, and French. He went to Concordia University in Montreal. What a small, small, small world. He's incredibly knowledgeable on Ecuador's history, geography, native culture, everything. He really seemed to like his job. 
he did live in the U.S. for a period of time when he was a kid. I asked him where he learned to speak English, but he said he just missed Ecuador. He had to move back home for the corn. The corn in Ecuador is unbelievably plump and sweet. The kernels look like they're bursting almost like grapes attached to the cob. Everywhere Alex took us, he was greeted by people like a dear old friend, no doubt because he brought them a lot of business, but I got the impression that he was actually really loved by these people. It was more than just business. We stopped for lunch a couple hours on the way to the boat launch for the Amazon Lodge. Now the fun with food would begin. Not everyone in these places speaks English, so Abe and I had tried to learn enough Spanish to get by. I think it's a bit entitled to expect everyone in the world to speak English. And I was amazed that so many people on this trip didn't even try to speak any Spanish at all. We at least asked if people spoke English in Spanish and told them we could speak a little bit of Spanish, and I think they appreciate the effort. We also made sure we knew how to say certain things, like the food has to be without milk, without cream, without cheese, eggs, meat, chicken, fish. But no matter how hard we tried, so often Abe's food arrived with something creamy in it. So eating, eating was a bit of a challenge for Abe. Thankfully, he brought a giant bag of mixed nuts. He shared his nuts. Everyone loved his nuts. But it is pretty handy not having dietary restrictions when you're traveling to places like that. En route to the Amazon, Abe got a message from the airport. They had contacted the hotel to bring the luggage, but we had already checked out. Abe explained that we were returning in a couple of days, which he had also put on the form, and also told the hotel, so please leave the luggage at the hotel as requested. Thankfully, they complied. Thankfully, the hotel accepted our luggage without saying, oh no, they're not here, we can't. Alex told us as we got closer to make sure we let anyone we needed to know that we were going off-grid. Once you're in the Amazon, there's no internet, no cell service, nothing. We loaded into two canoes, as they call them. Now, when I picture a canoe, I picture a smaller, narrower boat that you have to paddle. Our group included a lot of different types of people. I wasn't so sure whether the older, rotund or the 82-year-old woman would be very proficient paddling a canoe. But I needn't have worried. These canoes had chairs and an engine, and guys who knew how to navigate the river, even at its very low levels. Alex said by the end of the rainy season, maybe June, the river should be 10 to 12 feet deeper. So that's good. We spent two nights at a place called the Itamandi Eco Lodge on the Arahuno River, only accessible by boat or canoe. I was in awe of how challenging the logistics of building would have been in this place, let alone running it. All of our meals were included in the Amazon. There were certainly no restaurants around. You didn't have a menu. You got what they gave you, although they did do a reasonably decent job of providing some vegan food for Abe. Alex assured us that they used bottled water to prepare food and to make ice. So even though I had vowed to only eat cooked food while on this trip, it didn't take me long to give in to the fresh fruit and salads. 
We went on two jungle walks and sadly didn't see any wildlife more exciting than a tarantula, but the nights. The rooms were surrounded with screens, not walls, but walls of framed screens. I, I just loved lying in this very comfortable bed, listening to the, the cacophony of life in the forest. I found it very soothing. Other than some of the birds. Some of the birds kind of screech. And I don't know what was jumping around on our roof. I think it might have been monkeys, but I didn't actually see any monkeys. And at this place, we had to conserve water. You couldn't put toilet paper in the toilet. You had to put it in a little garbage can. Feel bad for the maids. And we also learned that you had one available toilet flush in the morning until later in the afternoon and not necessarily any water for a shower. Abe held a towel up for me to shower outside by the pool because there was water down on the main level. How privileged are we to have clean running water that is safe to drink, toilets that consistently flush, showers with hot water. There are some people in areas of Canada who don't have that. And it's one thing to deal with it in hot weather on, on the equator, another altogether in Arctic temperatures. It's a travesty, really. A local Quechua man took the group on a wildlife walk, and Alex went with us and translated. The Quechua communities share everything. Everyone has to contribute to the well-being of the community, and everyone shares. If you don't contribute, you're ostracized, and you're not likely to survive long. The men and women don't necessarily have one spouse for life. Well, neither do we necessarily but they're just relaxed about it. They share each other, apparently, and they share childcare. Alex told us when the tourism industry started to get pretty big, the men who worked as guides started earning more money from the outside. But what did they do with it? Too often, they spent it on beer, so the communities are now run by the women. The women invest in businesses and schools, and the children, of course. I asked Alex if the men liked the women running the show, and he said, not really, but they don't have a choice, and they understand that the community is better off. If someone needs a house, everyone gets together and builds a house. They all share the food. They all share the food prep. They all share everything. There were things about the Quechua people that I think are similar to Indigenous Canadian culture. The sense of community obligation, for example— the matrilineal tribal system. Our guide said, the one, the Quechua guide, not Alex, I can't remember his name. He told us he's 47 years old and he has at least 10 children. At least. (laughs) His first was born when he was 17 and he's a grandfather, of course. One day we went to the Quechua village to learn a bit about how they live. I mean, they're putting on a show for tourists, so how close is it? But, you know, apparently it's pretty close. They had a large kitchen, which was an outdoor square framed box filled with dirt or clay. I'm not sure, because they dig up clay from the river, riverbed, and in certain parts of the ground. But they build a fire on this thing, and that's where they cook. That's their kitchen. One woman demonstrated how she mashes up cassava root, Abe volunteered to help her. He was a good masher. And traditionally, they kind of chew it up and spit in it and mix it up to ferment. But for tourists, 
or so they claim. They grate sweet potato into it, add water, put it in a clay pot covered with banana leaves, and put it in the ground to ferment. Maybe they spit in it and they just told us it was sweet potato so that we would feel better about it. But even so, their water is not safe for people who aren't local. I kind of trusted that Alex wouldn't mislead us into drinking something that would make us sick, so I drank the stuff. I forget what it's called. Abe would know. They didn't give us much of it, just a taste. Apparently, uh, they give it to little kids, even babies, when it's only fermented for a day or two. Ours was two-day fermented, but apparently by day five, it's party time, so they didn't give us the good stuff. They also put out a buffet of all kinds of native foods, including these big fat worms. I, maybe they're grubs. They eat palm hearts, and they put out tiny fish that look like little catfish. I felt, I felt a bit guilty eating their food, but I also think it would be an insult to not eat it. Plus, it was cooked, so I thought, okay, it's probably fine. I even ate one of the cooked worms. I said to Alex, though, this is so generous of them. We didn't pay a lot for this tour, and they don't have a lot of fish. It's not like they can go down to the fishmonger and buy fish. The river level is so low, and they don't eat fish all the time. And he said, yeah, it is a lot for them, but don't worry, nothing will go to waste, which was a relief because, you know, there's no way we were going to finish everything. And I was glad that it's not like a restaurant here where they have to throw out all the food that's not eaten. One of the women on our tour had a treatment from the local shaman for her sciatica. And she said that her half hour with this shaman, which only cost her, I think, $10, did more for her than anything any medical professional here has been able to do for her. So, hmm. On day three, we loaded up the canoes and headed back to Quito, stopping in Tena to see the middle-of-the-world monument. So beautiful, surrounded by mountains and volcanoes, the actual middle of the world. We were thrilled that our luggage was at the hotel when we got back to Quito. The next day, we took an excursion to Kilatoa Crater Lake. It's a volcano that imploded. We hiked down into the crater. I turned back at about the 35-minute mark because I knew I would hold everyone else up on the way back if I didn't get a head start. And I'll tell you, it was a slog going back up to the top. The altitude is something like 11,500 11, feet, and that definitely makes it more challenging. However, I regretted not going all the way to the bottom later. I should have just let them wait the extra 15 minutes it would have taken me. Even Abe found the climb back up really challenging, although he did beat the other guys by at least 20 minutes. So did he really find it challenging? Maybe I could have kept up with the others after all, just not Abe. After keto, the pièce de résistance the Galapagos, the tip of a volcano, home to sea turtles, tortoises, iguanas, blue-footed boobies, red-footed boobies, sea lions, so many goddamn sea lions. They are all over the place. They block walkways. They relax on park benches. They chase each other down the sidewalks, beaches, rocks, and water. They smell atrocious, but 
not as bad as diesel truck emissions. Their barks sound as though they're vomiting. And a lot of the people who live there can actually imitate the sea lion bark really accurately. It's kind of funny. Well, it makes sense, though. They look cute and adorable and sweet, but they could attack you if you get too close. You're advised to keep your distance. A brought swim goggles, thank goodness, because the first day we went to the loveliest beach and right near the shore we were able to swim around and see huge sea turtles, beautiful fish, and sea lions, of course, sunning on the black volcanic rocks and swimming all around us. Some people in the group saw an octopus, but he hid pretty quickly. Abe saw an eel, who also hid pretty quickly. One of the women was snorkeling in pretty shallow water when a sea lion swam right up to her, and she nearly jumped out of her skin. Then three of them started swimming around with her. I had my long-sleeved animal print swimsuit on, so I think I think they ignored me because they thought I was a giant tortoise or something with giant, strangely white legs. So they didn't bother with me. On the third day, we went on a snorkeling tour to Kicker Rock with a group called Eco Challenger. This was definitely the highlight of the whole trip. Abe had bought a GoPro and he made the most of it, diving down to get footage of hammerhead sharks and sea turtles. They had a hot lunch for everyone on the boat and even had a delicious lentil dish for Abe. It was such a great day. Election day in Ecuador was the day before we left. Alex told us that voting is mandatory there, and people are fined pretty significant amounts if they don't vote. I think he said there were over 20 parties, including socialist, communist, conservative, and anything else you can imagine. As we traveled around, we saw a lot of billboards and marches for candidates. On the big day, people started gathering in the street outside the outdoor band shell that was right across the street from our hotel. Liquor sales are prohibited on election day because, you know, you want everyone sober and making a good voting decision. But of course, people planned ahead and had their stash for the big night. We had planned to get up early to go on a hike to another beach and some lookout points before our flight. But at around 10 p.m., the speeches in the band shell started. Fine. Only 10, but I can tell you that Bandshell's acoustics were pretty impressive. It sounded as though th- this Bandshell was inside the courtyard of the hotel, just outside our door. Then the music started more speeches, more music, and I mean blasting music with absolutely no break in between songs. Every song just morphed into the next song, it was relentless. How long would this go on? We had no idea. This was a thousand times worse than our neighbors' parties with woo girls. Finally, at about 2.10 in the morning, it stopped. I breathed a sigh of relief. But not so fast. About two minutes later, the blasting music resumed with its relentless full force. When it stopped again at almost 3 a.m., I didn't trust it. But thankfully, that was it. We still went on our hike the next morning. We were just a little more tired than we wanted to be. And we would love to go back to the Galapagos sometime and just spend a week there, maybe going to some of the other islands. At the very least, we'll want to stay in the hotel furthest away from that band shell. We flew to Guayaquil, where we stayed at the River Garden Hotel, which was a most 
most appreciated upgrade, at least for me. The Amazon Lodge and the other hotels were comfortable and they were, they were nice. But this one was modern with a rooftop pool with a bar. We went on the cable car, which is Gaia Kill's main public transit line, and probably so much more cost-effective than a subway, particularly when you consider how mountainous the area is and how built up it is. How would you even build a subway in a place like that? God only knows we can't even finish the Eglinton Crosstown in Toronto. We were supposed to be there for two nights, then fly to Peru. As I went online to check in for our flight to Lima, I saw the email from the tour operator. Peru wasn't safe. Here are your options. Option one, we fly you home. That was it. That was our only option. So we came home a week early and we're back at work, safe and sound, and enjoying some unseasonably sunny Canadian February weather. This trip was the first time Abe and I had ever done a guided tour. It was an adventure trip. We met a bunch of lovely people from the U.S., other parts of Canada, and the U.K. Hello, Elaine and Kevin. Now, I do love to occasionally park my butt near a pool and get a little day buzz on as much as the next guy. But this, this was truly something special. We are so very lucky, aren't we, that we can afford to do something like this and that we're safe and we have clean water. And we have a very comfortable home. And whether or not you celebrate Valentine's Day, somebody loves you, even if it's a dog. And never underestimate the love of a dog. Thank you for listening. And do something nice for yourself this week. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.